At KeyBank, we understand what you need to run a middle market company. We bring a team of strategists and problem solvers to design and deliver solutions critical to your business's success. KeyBank offers industry expertise, investment banking and capital markets, payment automation, loans and lines of credit, plus equipment financing. Connect with your local KeyBank team. Learn more at key.com slash commercial. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. What's shaking? Hey, I'm Rick Jordan, and today I'm here with Hunter Abramson and Britt. I'm going to allow you to pronounce your last name for me because I'm going to botch it. <laughs> My name is Britt Miritran. That is the way you say it is so amazing because it's like I'm Brit, and then you go into a sexy accent. <laughs> There's absolutely no way to say that name in American English. I've learned that after 10 years with that name. Um, so my husband will probably tell you, say, I don't say it that well. But <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. But we're here today to talk about cybersecurity, right? And we've got two, uh, two awesome perspectives, and I'm going to try to be the bridge here. So we've got Hunter, who is from the founder side, right? And Correct. Rip, who is from the biz dev side. So that really kind of the technical. And I'll, I'll try to bridge this here from someone who is literally that in the space. So it's, guys, this is exciting. I don't know how long we're supposed to go, but let's give people some good info. We were told that this is what big, or cybersecurity is not just for big banks, it's for startups too. 100%. Yeah, that's a, that's our topic today. So it's a big week, right? SVB. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a big week. Oh my God. Yeah. And now with others falling behind it. There will be. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be a, a trickle domino effect across the next few weeks. And yep. Who knows, by the time this is published, we'll probably have a couple more that we'll be talking about. Hundred we percent. Talking about how, like, we're just at the beginning of that butterfly inflection. Like, the wing just flapped. Yes. You know, the things we're going to see coming out from here. We're watching even this morning. You know, withdrawals flying out for uh, other banks literally this morning, and it's the it's the fear mongering right now that's uh, driving everyone to withdraw their cash. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. See how runways are affected for small startups. This is why you know cybersecurity. I feel like needs to get talked about a lot more for the small startups because it's an application that people don't think about when you're starting a business in tech because you don't need it until you need it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's almost like an insurance model, right? Hundred percent. It's intriguing. We were just talking about how, like, there's a, a small possibility that this could add to mainstream adoption of, you know, crypto yeah. and DeFi and things. And unfortunately, the reality is, as a space, we're just not ready for that. Um, so I'm really hoping that things quell a little bit because if we do have a lot of new consumers coming on to use digital assets. Uh, we're going to see a lot more phishing, a lot more scams. So it's going to be really important as a startup to be really aware of those risks and, and the measures you need to take to make sure that your customers are secure and you're secure. Yeah, that's an intriguing perspective because you're saying you, you think it, you were talking before the show, right? I didn't hear mm -hmm. that, but it's going to accelerate the adoption of crypto. But at the same time, like in the same breath, <laughs> you said, but we're not quite there yet. Right. What limitations are you seeing right now? This isn't a crypto show. This is cyber. So we can talk about the technical side of it. There's a lot of technical limitations right now, right? Yeah. Well, you know, when we when we talk about security in the Web3 and blockchain space, 
you're not usually talking about technical attacks. You're talking about tricks and scams. You know, your, your basic phishing attacks are the cause of the majority of crypto theft. Um, you know, user accidents and loss also happen too. And luckily most security layers um, will protect you from, you know, malicious and user transactions. But, you know, there's just so much space for vulnerabilities, especially for those new consumers that, you know, are not used to what emails should look like and shouldn't look like. And the reality is that, you know, a hacker is not actually just a single hacker. It's usually a team of highly skilled people that include developers and UI UX people that can build some really skilled sites. Um, and as a startup founder, it's really important to be aware of that, that it's not always just someone coming after you to attack you. It's a whole crew of people orchestrating a way for you to be continuously tricked. And you always have to have your guard up because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, as a non-technical founder, I've had to go through this entire journey of learning like the cybersecurity is important. Um, you know, we have an entire technical team. That's what they handle. And as I've learned, like from the startup side and from the technology side, you know, there's, you know, I'll talk just quickly about the options for us where you look at some of the options for cybersecurity and the ones that you can afford as a startup don't really have all the tools you potentially might need if you are, you know, very deep in, you know, a technical space. And then for us, some of the ones that we needed, you know, we couldn't afford. And we're trying to figure out how this all plays out uh, for us to protect ourselves, our data and everything like that, because not only does it affect us, you know, we lose, we get hacked, we lose our data that is owned by our clients. We're losing business and we're getting in trouble because we weren't prepared enough for that to happen. And what does it look like for startups to, yes, take it seriously from the upfront side, but also find solutions and tools in order for uh, you to protect yourself, but also that you can afford on the budgets and the runway you have? You seriously like hit the nail on the head right there. Like accessible and affordable preventative security options are so important and really not available widely right now. You know, there's especially, you know, this is the year of security and crypto. You know, we're highly aware that we need it. You'll see lots and lots of new projects popping up with either innovative solutions or better solutions of what's existing and out there. But the reality is so little of it is accessible and affordable. And you shouldn't have to pay up front for problems we have in the blockchain space. Like the reality is, and I'm saying this as a security company, most of this security needs to be baked into blockchain before we really see adoption. Mm -hmm. And as long as it's us, others out there adding them as layers, it's going to be a service model. And, you know, you know, we're very lucky as a firm to have, you know, venture backing, which allows us to create products that people can use and set up for free. But other people, in order to maintain their businesses, have to do this software as a service. And it's not cheap. Developers are the highly skilled. They're expensive. And security literally evolves every single day. So to be able to maintain that and develop, you know, easy to use tools that don't require you to hire another developer and pay a monthly service model, like that stacks so fast for a new project. Like, there needs to be more simple and, you know, simple and preventative software out there. Yeah. I'll give you real world examples because, I mean, I love where you're going at it. It's accessibility and affordability. There's a big gap between the big budgets that enterprise banks, right? Like a Chase or a Bank of America have to be able to spend on cybersecurity. They have that ready to roll. But then the startup or even the small and mid-sized business maybe like actually post-revenue, right? as soon as the, the startup ends up actually 
making bank at some point in time, it's still not generally accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, and from a, I'm a service provider, right, for startups, small and mid-sized businesses. But the, the amount of tools, because we call it a stack, right, the amount of cybersecurity tools or SaaS tools that go into the full offering, right now the count is 34. Yeah, wow. It's not just wow. one tool. It's not just five tools. It's not just, you know, a, a, having a technician or a security operations center that's watching stuff. It's all of that. And it's expensive because you know, it's 10 grand a month for every 25 people for that full suite. Jeez. Yeah, so you're right. The accessibility. And that's why I'm doing a lot to try to make that more affordable. But I, when do you think that's going to be? I mean, I'm trying to push it in the market, right? <laughs> That's the reason why I'm going big and buying companies because economics of scale, we're hoping to commoditize it to eliminate exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. How far off do you think we are to making that accessible and affordable? Can I borrow your crystal ball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I, I think it's really hard. You can, you can estimate all over the place, but I think the reality is, unfortunately, as a culture, as industries, we're reactive, right? It's going to mm. take lots of huge problems to make things happen. And it really is just how fast or how slow those problems happen. Like yeah. do we have mainstream adoption because we're having bank runs and all of a sudden people are getting fished and scammed more. And all of a sudden all this money disappears essentially from the market. Like that could be the kind of catastrophe that inflects security. But the reality is unfortunately, even like, you know, NFT community, they're very aware, very aware of, you know, crypto scams. You'd call them advanced crypto users, Maybe right? Boom. You almost swore I didn't know, but then I think in the past, yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, founders <laughs> that utilize these uh, JPEGs to create profound communities. <laughs> um, you know, even they can get scammed and drained and it, you know, it makes all these headlines. It blows up crypto Twitter, makes it to the mainstream news. Everyone goes, oh, we need more security. The reality is not that much security is actually added after that moment. So I honestly think it's going to take some pretty big catastrophes before we see the kind of availability that we need yeah, for these security solutions. Yeah. I mean, in the news all the time, it's the, in the media, I, I talk about it as breach after breach after breach. You know, and now, while the general consumer is focused on spy balloons, what's floating above <laughs> us, you know, they're, they're forgetting it's like what, what's actually going on in my bank accounts, what's actually going on in my business. You know, yeah. that, that is real, right? And that's a, there, there's some interesting stats that I saw. I think it was from Microsoft that 73% of the attacks were from two countries, and that's Russia and China. Correct. You know, combined. You know, so we know that it's those two directions. But then another interesting one that I saw the other day, I think this was in the journal, was because in in our industry, it's very male dominated. Which Britt, that's why I'm glad you're here talking today, right? It's totally. male dominated. <laughs> yeah. No, forget it's, that. It's male dominated no, in business. Like, but what blew my mind was that you know, while it's like single digits or low double digits, like 11, 12% of females that actually exist within the cybersecurity space on the good side, I'll call it like the good the white side, right? Yeah, the, the white, white hats. hats. It's like 30% on the black hats. That's what the journal was saying is that it's like, wow. it's like triple, you know, the triple the amount of women are on the black hat side as on the white hat side. Let me play devil's advocate here for a moment. Does anyone think that's because in a space where people don't show their face or give their real identities, that women are given as much permission as men to show their skills, 
put out. I mean, it, if you ever look at Discord or Reddit, I mean, so many mm-hmm. people are under very androgynous names. Yeah, there's a correlation. They're absolutely. I'm just they. saying. Yes. <laughs> well, no, and I've thought this for years too. It's like if that's that could be a way to even accelerate our industry and help things become more accessible and affordable. Mm-hmm. Because I, I mean, to me, and this is going down a different topic than just what we're talking about today, but still, you know, there's female executives that exist in these banks that we're talking about. There's female founders mm-hmm. on the startup side, you know, and it, it's such another dynamic. And this is why I have women in very key positions for me because I, I just think differently in a good way, you know. We're mental is, uh, ninjas. Come on, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So is, is that maybe, the, and this is getting into socioeconomics too, right? <laughs> Seriously, how much time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> we could do a whole nother podcast on this. We just talked about Eve Denver. 100%. It was a stat, right, that I saw. It was two things that really kind of blew my mind. And it's like, how do we make this more accessible and affordable when we have, you know, over two thirds of our attacks come from two countries. Correct. Uh, and then a third of the black hats are females, but it's, it's a fraction of that that are actually white hats. You know, it, it, it makes me wonder where's the disconnect here. Yeah. I that's, th- oh, sorry, go no, ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to say that to me, that's still like mind blowing. I had absolutely no idea of those numbers and I'm going to savor them because it's such interesting information, like really to dwell on. Yeah. yeah. And well, thanks for being a white hat. <laughs> <laughs> happy to, happy yeah. to be there. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I'll say on, on that gap of like affordability and accessibility, I know for us, the you know, coming from a place where I didn't know anything about cybersecurity and starting a tech company, especially in the blockchain space, you know, we didn't, I had no idea where to go. I had no education. I had no idea where, you know, who to even call for tools in order to get this accomplished um, with the budget that we had. I mean, we talked to a, a billion different cybersecurity companies, one of which that, you know, was great that had put together a startup model. It was a company called Citadel. They just put together a startup model just for startups, almost, uh, you know, benefiting the high tier um, products and services you can get on the affordability scale. And for we just had no idea where to look or where to go to even find these services because everywhere you want to Google it, you want to, you know, go through connections. The cost is still so much, and, you know, we're going through the process, um, even as a small startup, we're working and starting to work publicly traded companies. So we're having to go through SOC 2 and like, what does all that look like? And it's expensive for us. Like I was shocked when I CTO told me the numbers and then what the process looked like, what the audit process looked like. And you talk about, you know, 34 in a tech stack. SOC 2, you're, you were looking at the same numbers of what you got to go through and all, all the audits you have to go through and how you can get to that point to actually make the money as a startup that's going to yeah. benefit you. That's been a journey for us to go through. Right. There's even more than 34 on the compliance side. Correct. Something like SOC 2. And that's, a, that's the part that we don't talk about too much is because if you have to go through that to work with specific organizations, whether it's public companies or even regulated industries, mm-hmm. right? So you may be the little guy, but as a little guy, you're doing work for the Department of Defense, or you're doing, or you're servicing somebody that is doing work for the Department of Defense, and all of a sudden you have to be within compliance with something like CMMC or SOC. It's it's a nightmare from a financial perspective. Absolutely, and you know, it was really interesting hearing you dive into your experience. You know, going to find those security solutions and. And even just as a founder, knowing you want to build on or with blockchain technology and then having to now figure out, okay, I know enough to know that I want to do it, but 
where do I find the developers? Are they good? Where mm-hmm. do I get this information? How do I even know how to verbalize what I want enough to have somebody build it? Um, I'd love to see more founders showing up at like blockchain centric events because I, I'd love to see an overlap more than we do today of like the South by Southwest incubator founder accelerator crew and the developers that get together to, you know, what we call biddle at mm-hmm. hackathons, which you know, anyone listening, a hackathon is not where we are breaking into things. <laughs> <laughs> hackathon is where you're innovating to create something or to disrupt a space. And it'd be really cool to see those founders with these ideas show up at our Web3 hackathons where there's honestly tons of developers ready and waiting to build contracts yeah. and want these non-technical founders there with them. And I think it'd be a really interesting way as a founder, instead of having to outsource to like consultants and things like that, especially if you are bootstrapped, all you really do need to do is get the pass to those conferences. And there's always a one-on-one track, a startups track, a founders mm-hmm. track, something like that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it has been, you know, my entire career has been sports entertainment. And when, like I was saying earlier, when I started understanding blockchain, I was like, I am not technical. How the heck is any of this going to happen? I have to find the right people to, you know, accomplish this. Luckily we have, and we did, and it's been a blessing for us to go through this, but the learning process for me, you know, I've always stayed in the like consumer experience entertainment space and jumping to tech for any founders out there that are non-technical, it is a journey and is a, you're getting an MBA very, very quick in understanding how this all operates because I, you know, I think there's pros and cons to non-technical founders and technical founders. For me, you know, we can bring business that maybe some technical founders, ha- you know, can't and have not been able to. But if we partner with the right people, it just starts opening the door to all this conversation of accessibility and affordability and it starts bridging that gap for everybody. That's awesome. You're pre or post revenue? We are post. post. Yes. You have a percentage that you've come up with, so I'm always curious to know this, that you're spending on cybersecurity as a percentage of your revenue. So interestingly enough, that is the, we are going through pricing right now on how to, how to beef it up. I'll be honest, we are on a startup plan of, we have uh, 500 bucks a year a startup plan that we have met with this one cybersecurity company that's basically um, said, hey, you know, let's take a haircut up front. Let's dive into this with you. And now that SOC 2 is starting, now all these, you know, audits are starting. Yeah. Now the cost is going to be a lot more. But, you know, this was really, um, you know, how do we as a company learn what cybersecurity needs we even have? Because we really didn't know we're dealing with consumer data from uh, tickets that are also on the blockchain that are built on the Hyperledger uh, fabric and all these different um, aspects getting put together. How do we uh, take care of our clients' data, our data, and keep ourselves safe? Even the phishing attacks, you know, we're, we have seen those with tickets already, unlike people phishing uh, to scam you out of tickets and fraudulent tickets. And that's what we're trying to fix by doing this. So, yeah, we started on a very cheap model. We, we've run very lean and as lean as possible until now's the time since we are making some money, now's the time to spend money on protection. Yeah. You feel safe at $500 a year? No. <laughs> no, I do not. I don't sleep at night and I'm trying to beef this up as fast as possible. <laughs> That's the race, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's almost like you're trying to catch up to the inevitable whatever's going to hit at some point in time. But what's the middle ground answer, though? Yeah, I think that's the big question. But, I, you know, you just you sort of get the nail on the head when you're having to pay, you know, a lot of money for preventative security. Like 
it's like an insurance experience, you know, it's like, how much am I protecting and how long till I get hit? And I'm going to, to feel that in my pocketbook every day until I actually get hit. And all of a sudden I'm grateful I paid for it. So, yeah, you know, like unrealized risk. Yeah, totally. But like, I, I, you know, we like to disrupt that model, you know, like tools and services. I think you really should be able to get, you know, as SaaS because those require maintenance, but like preventative security, your baseline security for your consumers, like it needs to be widely available. Um, and how do you do that? Like, how do you disrupt security so that it is easy and, and why easy to implement it's implemented as soon as they interact with you in your company. They don't have to go set it up. You don't have to go set it up for each of them. Like mm -hmm. when we get there, because otherwise as a founder, when you're balancing your books or you're a CFO, whatever it is, all of a sudden security is getting balanced as a value add. And it's almost a fundamental need. So it's been, I had an individual who has taken four companies public. I was on his show a couple of weeks ago, Todd Alt. And BitNile, it's actually a blockchain company yeah. that we just took public. And he was speaking of cybersecurity as a utility now. It's just like internet service. It's just like electricity. Yep. It's, it's just like natural gas that comes in to light up your stove. That's where this industry is going to where everybody is just going to have to have this. Yeah. You know, but then it's also the same thing. And this gets into everything I just mentioned except for internet is regulated. Because it's literally regulated as a utility. But then you get into internet and I mean, we've had Congress try to regulate yes. internet access, you know, but thank, thank God that free internet still exists at the moment, meaning open and free internet. Thank God that still exists. But where does this go? Are we going to see companies like yours, Brit, end up being regulated in some way or another? <laughs> Seriously, where is this crystal ball when we need it? Um, no, I mean... I think services are always going to exist and people building for services. I think we're a long way from specifically crypto security regulations mm -hmm. because we yeah. can't even figure out crypto regulations today. And, and even when we do think we figure them out, we're going to be a long way from it. Um, so it, it is, it's this hazy space where you can't see a half mile in front of you very well. And you definitely can't see a mile, but the speed that you're moving at is like <laughs> 10 times the speed of time. So, you know, it's cool because it provides a lot of really fast innovation, but it's, you know, we're kind of talking about it today. Like you see these small like inflection points and you know, they're going to ripple out. So you yep. have to get ready to react and like innovate quickly enough because you're rocket shipping through time until this ripple effects out. So I think that's just, you know, being a founder and then especially being a founder in the blockchain and Web3 space. There's so many questions you can ask about the future. I think it's more about what are we doing right now to, to get ready for all the possible futures. You just got to ride the wave. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's it. And remain reactive. That's reactive, right. but unemotional. Yes. There you to go. the react. <laughs> you know, there's a, the reaction can, can be bad and good. So, you know, unemotional reaction uh, and making sure you're making good business, objective business decisions for your company because um, it, it comes fast. And you've got to think fast. Yeah, I, I like to say proactively reactive. Yes, love that. <laughs> Which is a terrible term, but seriously, and even be proactive about your ability to be reactive. Um, because if you're just reacting, then you're, you know, you're just deflecting things and you kind of move backwards slowly as everything comes at you. But if you're proactively reflective, re oh my goodness, proactively <laughs> reactive, you know, it's like you're setting up your security layers, right? You're getting yep. your security stack. 
You're being proactive yeah. about your ability to react to a bad situation. Hundred startups as we uh, round this out here. What's your number one tip for them? Because you said we need to do what we need to do today, right? What what is what is that? What do they need to do today? They need to get into the the live and educational spaces where the information's going because anything you can find on Google or in an article or posted is probably already outdated. So ask questions. Ask questions in mm-hmm. all the spaces you can find, but don't don't count on what's already written down. Well, that's deep. Yeah. Yeah. What about yours? Uh, founder perspective, I would say, don't wait to go explore this for your company. You're going to need it. And it's something by the time you need it, it's too late. So actually consider this as you talked about, this is an expense for your company that potentially could save you. You know, you are paying up front, but it could save the company in certain aspects that you could have never thought about. If a hat comes, if fishing comes uh, with, you know, your clients, whatever it looks like, if you don't explore this now, you're going to regret it when the hit actually happens. Yeah, I would uh, throw mine based off of what you said earlier, that, you know, you're only spending 500 bucks this year, Mm -hmm. but it's do everything you can as you continue to grow. Do what you can do today. Spend what you can spend Mm -hmm. today, because the answer is not do nothing. The answer is just do everything that you possibly can. So then hopefully you can protect as much as you can today and in the future. Do you know that the FBI doesn't even touch losses from a breach under a million dollars? Well, no. With us, we, um, it's just like, it's almost like the FDIC with mm. SVB. You know, now this conversation has come full circle. It's just like that has a limit of $250,000. So yep. everybody in SVB is like, but wait, we had millions. <laughs> because it was... Startups, a lot of tech startups that were that used SVB for yeah. you know, they would house their VC funding. And now they can't make payroll, but they're like, you're gonna give us 250K when we had 20 million Correct. sitting in the account. But that's the same thing with, with the damages from a breach is under a million, you're just flat out of luck. Yeah, and we've had that. It's like I hope you have liability insurance. That's the other thing. My other tip is cyber liability insurance 100 percent, and they will dictate to you what controls you have to have in place as a startup you have to check little boxes in order to make sure that you're even underwritable yep so uh here's another little hacker underground (laughs) 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 there are resources for losses you have to have lost i think at least a thousand dollars i think sometimes it's 10 but usually at least a thousand dollars there are white hat hacker services that will help you um, try and reclaim those funds from the black hats. Of course, they do it for like a fee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyone that's got losses in crypto, I think they're they're working to try and prevent that $1 million mark or $10 million mark. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point because if you do have resources, it's not, just not law enforcement resources when it's under a million. Above that, I mean, we've worked directly with, my companies work directly with the FBI and Secret Service because the Secret Service gets involved with this right now. Mm-hmm. Because it has to do with money. I don't know if you knew, but the Secret Service isn't just protecting the president. They were actually established originally for counterfeit dollars. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not know that. Back when Roosevelt, I think it was Roosevelt actually established the agency. And that's still 90% of their work has to deal in the financial space. Really? Yeah. Wow. We, every, every breach over a million dollars that we've worked with customers. And it, we sometimes we're able to help them recover. Sometimes it's a portion, sometimes not at all. But over a million dollars, it's the FBI and the Secret Service that will get involved. Are you now wondering how many Secret Service agents you've made friends, friends with at crypto conferences now? Because yeah. 90% <laughs> of their time, they've definitely been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So that's very interesting. That, that's, that is my one thing for today that I needed to learn. So thank you. <laughs> Enlightened. Yeah, they're brilliant. When you get up into that space, they're brilliant. But the, this is the point why they don't go below that threshold is because there's so much. Yeah. You know, in certain types of threat actors, they understand that that threshold exists too. So when you've got a $100,000, $300,000 loss that they're going to go after, that's their sweet spot because they know that they're pretty much in the clear. Yeah. Unless somebody knows what Britt just said, go find somebody to hack the hackers. Yep. <laughs> White hat hacking services, they exist. You can ask around on crypto Twitter. Um, yep. Yeah. I love it. Perfect. Guys, this is fun. This is a great conversation. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for teaching me things. Vice versa. Thank you for moderating. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Off the fly. <laughs> no problem. Where can everybody find you, Britt? What's up with that? Um, Connect with you. True crypto Twitter person. Um, you can find me at I'm blockchain mom. So like I am blockchain mom. <laughs> Love that. Um, and on Telegram, Brit MYT and most other places, Brit MYT. Nice. Hunter? Yeah, pretty basic. Uh, you know, LinkedIn, Hunter Abramson. Or, you know, same with Twitter, uh, Hunter Relic underscore. Awesome. If you can find me on LinkedIn with my last name from a podcast, you are magic. So yeah. I'll that. <laughs> That's so cool. You can Google me, just Rick Jordan. I'm, uh, I'm all over the first page, but then you can follow me at Mr. Rick Jordan. And I hope to connect DM me. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Head into your local Safeway for great spring savings throughout the store. This week at Safeway, get yellow peaches or nectarines for the member price of $1.88 per pound. Also this week at Safeway, value packs of Signature Farms chicken drumsticks, thighs, leg quarters, or picnic packs are buy one, get one free. Plus, get value packs of USDA Choice Boneless Beef Top Sirloin Steak for the member price of $4.99 per pound. Visit Safeway.com, download the Safeway for You app, or head in store to find more great deals at Safeway.